and then we'll jump into Psalm 37. Fathers, even as we have just sung this evening, we confess even now that truly you are the Lord. You are our God, and you alone are worthy. Even as we have sung the truths in that song, you are creator, your redeemer, and one day we will gather around the throne and we will lift you up and we will glorify and we look forward to that day. And yet until then, we will continue to gather, we will continue to worship, we will continue uh, to live for Christ while we have breath. And we know that you will continue to sustain us. You'll continue to give us grace and mercy for each and every day. And we pray that you would just continue to give us strength, to give us faith, to keep trusting, uh, to keep uh, enduring until that day comes. And we pray even this evening as we turn our attention to your word that your spirit would work. As we look to Psalm 37, that you would take the truth of your word, that you would challenge us and that you would change us for your glory. And truly, our desire in this time, Father, is that you would be honored, that you would be lifted up in all that we say and do. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 37. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious because of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you shall look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and the delight and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just, and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bows to cast down the poor and needy, to slay those who are upright in conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish and to smoke they shall vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he may fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young and now am old, Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful 
and lands, and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil and do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. So I was reading Psalm 37. It might have stood out to you that it sounds a lot more like a proverb than a psalm. In fact, it is a wisdom psalm, and it's very similar. And really what this does, what this psalm does, David is addressing a question that comes up. It's a question that David himself asks all throughout the book of Psalm, and that question is this, why do bad things happen to good people? And why do good things seem to always happen to bad people? That seems so backwards. We see David struggling with that all throughout Psalms. Why are my enemies lifted up? Where are you, Lord? And as we come to Psalm 37, he, he addresses that. It's, it's the, the, the thoughts as he sits and he meditates on this truth. One thing you'll notice is the covenant promises of land that are prominent in this psalm. It helps to give us the, the background. It helps to remind us that this psalm was written to a specific people in a specific time period. A specific people who had promises from God. God had promised to give them a land. He had promised to bless them. He had promised to give them a people. Back in Genesis 12, it's known as the Abrahamic Covenant. And we see that. Even here in Psalm 37, they are clinging to that hope. That God is faithful. That God will not abandon his people. God will give him the land. In fact, it comes up in verse 3, verse 9, verse 11, verse 22, verse 29, and verse 34. In all of those verses, the land is mentioned. It's a very tangible sign to them of the faithfulness of God. He's given us this promise. This land is tangible. It's there. We can see that God is faithful. So really, as we come to Psalm 37, what it is, is it's a covenant people who are called to remember their covenant-keeping God. And as we work our way through this, we'll see that as they struggle with this thought, why are the bad thriving, and why are we, your people, the good, the righteous, why are we struggling? David reminds them, your reward is coming. In the verse 15 verses, we see your reward is sure. In verses 16 to 26, we see your reward will be satisfying. 
And then in verses 27 to 40, we see that this reward will be everlasting. It starts out with the call, do not fret because of evildoers. Don't fret. Don't worry. Don't be all bothered because of evildoers. Nor envious of the workers of iniquity. How difficult is it to not be envious? Envy is one of those sins that sneaks in and takes hold before you even realize it's there. It's one of those sins that you're sitting there and you're thinking and then all of a sudden it hits you. Man, I am overcome with envy right now. How often do we envy others? Not just brothers and sisters in Christ. How often do we envy the world? How often do we look at that job, that raise, that car, that house, that family, that couple? We're envious. Part of envy comes from pride. Because we think we deserve that. It's not fair that they have it. And that's really what, what David's dealing with here. That envy comes out of the pride of we are God's people. You are our God, so why are they thriving? Oh, we're so low. But, David goes on, they shall soon be cut down like the grass. Don't envy them, because their end is coming. He goes on in these verses to contrast that. Their end is coming. Your reward is sure. Verse 3, trust in the Lord. Do good. Continue to trust in the Lord. And what does that look like? It looks like doing good. It looks like living according to his precepts. Trust in him. Here we see a reference to dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. I love that phrase, feed on his faithfulness. Take strength from the fact that your God is faithful. And as you're dwelling in this land, Israel, look around and see that is a tangible sign that your God is faithful. Feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You look at them out there and you're envious of them. Instead, delight yourself in the Lord. And He will give you the desires of your heart. Find pleasure in Him, and you will find true pleasure. What you think is pleasure, that thing that you are envying, it is fleeting. But God can give you the desires of your heart. Now, that's not a promise that whatever your, your deep, deepest darkest desire is, God will fill that. What that is, is a promise that if you are delighting yourself in the Lord, then the Lord will change your desires to match his desires. Really what it is, is the man who delights himself in the Lord is the man who has humbled himself before the Lord. It's the man who, like in verse 3, is trusting in the Lord and is doing good. And he will give you the desires of your heart. He goes on, verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will bring it to pass. The faithful God blesses His faithful people. Be faithful because your God is faithful. Trust in Him. He will bring it to pass. It's His doing. 
He'll bring your righteousness as light, your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Resting in the Lord looks like waiting patiently for the Lord. Sometimes that's hard to do, to wait patiently for the Lord. We say, I'll, I'll wait for you, God. But waiting patiently is something different, right? We've all gone to the doctor's office and had to wait. Just because you're waiting doesn't mean you're waiting patiently. The person who's waiting patiently is waiting patiently because they trust the person they're waiting on. I can wait patiently because I know that he is faithful and I know that whatever he's doing, it's for my good. So I can wait patiently for him. Therefore, I can rest in him. Therefore, I will not fret because of him who prospers in his way. I won't fret. I won't get worried about the wicked who are thriving because I am waiting on the Lord because I trust him. Verse 8, cease from anger, forsake wrath. Put those aside. Those aren't attributes of the man who is waiting patiently. I love this phrase, don't fret, it only causes harm. That's just another way to say a phrase that we use all, don't worry, that doesn't change anything. Worrying changes nothing. That's what David is saying here. Don't fret, don't worry, don't be all bothered about it. All it does is cause harm. Wait patiently. Why? Because your reward is sure. Because your God is faithful. So feed on His faithfulness. Evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. What David is doing here is he's reminding them, he's giving them a long-term perspective. Take a breath. Yes, they might look like they are thriving now, but you know what their end is? They're going to be cut off. They're going to face divine judgment. There is no inheritance for them. Yes, they are wicked and they are thriving now, but they will get what they deserve because God is just. But those who wait on the Lord, they have an inheritance. They shall inherit the earth. The righteous get what they do not deserve by the grace of God alone. David here is drawing the people's mind from the immediate to the eternal. Don't look at your circumstances right here where you are. Don't look at what's going on this week and get discouraged. Back up. Take a big view of things and see that your God is in control. Wait on Him. For yet a little while in the wicked shall be no more. It's imminent. It's around the corner. It's coming. Their end is to be cut off and that is coming at any moment. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but you shall be, it shall be nowhere. But the meek shall inherit the earth. Again, this is repeated. The meek, the man who is humble before the Lord, he shall inherit the earth. He shall be blessed. He shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Again, verse 4, delighting in the Lord, the one who gives peace. Even as we're reminded in Philippians 4, peace beyond understanding. Verse 12, the wicked plots against the just, gnashes his teeth. The Lord laughs at him. 
He laughs because he's in control. He laughs because he sees that his day is coming. And we would do well to remember that as well. That the day is coming. We will all stand before the Lord. The wicked will be judged. And God will be just as glorified through justice as he will through salvation. The wicked have drawn the sword, they've bent their bow, and yet it turns around on them. It's not effective. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. In the first 15 verses, we see that your reward is sure, because your God is faithful. As we come to verses 16 to 26 then, your reward is satisfying. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of the wicked. Why? Because eternal treasures trumps temporal pleasures. I just realized that rhymed. I need to save that. (laughs) Eternal treasures trump temporal pleasures. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. Because that little is worth so much more. The arms of the wicked are broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. It's the Lord that upholds. It's the Lord that sustains. The Lord knows the days of the upright. Not only does he sustain him, he has intimate knowledge and care for him. He upholds him. He knows him. And their inheritance shall be forever. Again, that goes back to verses 9 and verse 11. The evildoer shall be cut off, but those who are the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. It's looking ahead to an eternal reward. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. Why? Because their satisfaction does not come from pleasures here on earth. Their satisfaction comes from something greater, something beyond, something their faithful God has promised them. And so come famine, come sword, come tragedy, you can still be satisfied. Because that doesn't change who your God is. That doesn't change the fact that your God is good. That doesn't change the fact that your God is faithful. All it changes is your immediate circumstances. And so in time of famine, in time of attack, you will not be ashamed. You shall, you shall still be satisfied. But the wicked, they shall perish. They shall have no satisfaction. The enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of meadows, they shall vanish. And to smoke, they shall vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. I I love the way that's put. The righteous borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. The one who is satisfied, the one who is content, the one who is not envious of the workers of iniquity, he's generous. Contentment yields generosity. If I'm content with what I have, then I'm not hoarding for myself. I'm content so I can give, so I can serve. But greed 
yields more wickedness. They borrow and they don't repay because they're building for themselves. For right now, this is what they're concerned about. The righteous shows mercy and gives because he's content. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth. Again, that idea there. But those cursed by him shall be cut off. It's a third time that's come around. You should probably pay attention to that. Those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the earth. It's a future reward. A great reward. So much greater than these little piles of things that we collect here. The wicked will be cut off. Verse 23 and 24, very well-known verses. The steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. The term ordered there, don't get confused. The idea is not commanded. It's not God saying, you're a good man, you must do this. That's not the idea here. It's that rather the steps of a good man are led. They're established by the Lord. In fact, there's a long-term meaning here. They are set up to last. It is God taking the steps of a good, taking a good man and putting him on a good path. So we see in Psalm 23, the Lord leads me beside the still waters. The Lord has ordered his steps. And he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Because the Lord has put me on this good path, because he's established me, therefore, even when I fall, and that's interesting that David puts that in there. David's not, not, not trying to, to, to trick people. He's not saying life's going to be just awesome. You're going to fall. And don't think a fall there, as, as we use that word a lot, is in, uh, you know, oh, I, 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 I fell. I sinned. I fell back into sin. That's not the idea here. The idea here is falling into hardship. Though hardship come, you will not be cast down. Why? Because it's the Lord who upholds me with his hand. Not only has the Lord put me on this path, but he upholds me on that path. And so when I fall, I have no worry to fret. Because I know that the God who has put me there is the God who upholds me. And I know that he is doing something for my good and for his glory, even if I don't understand what that is. The next few verses, David looks back on his life. I've been young, now I'm old, and yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. In my entire life, I have not yet seen the Lord forsake the righteous. Now, it doesn't mean that I haven't seen the righteous go through some difficult things. In fact, David writing this has gone through some very difficult things. But the Lord has not forsaken him. In fact, his descendants, I have not even seen his descendants begging bread, highlights the fact that, that what David is, has in view here is a long view. From generation to generation, God is faithful, God is good. I've seen this in my life, and I, here I'm testifying of it. He's ever merciful and lends. Again, the idea of the righteous person who is content. He's continuing to be merciful and to lend. That's what we saw in um, verse 21. 
He returns that idea there. He's content. He's satisfied. Your reward is sure. Your reward is satisfying. And finally, verses 27 to 40, your reward is everlasting. Depart from evil, do good, and dwell forevermore. This is not some immediate reward. This is not a get-rich scheme. This is not the, the um, gospel where, where you can just trust and then you'll become rich. That's not the idea here. Depart from evil, do good, and dwell forevermore. There's something so much greater that God is promising. The Lord loves justice. Again, he does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. Again, we see this idea of his faithfulness all throughout this psalm. He comes back to the idea of descendants. The descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land. There's that again. And dwell forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom. And it goes on as you come to verse 33, the Lord will not leave him in his hand, in the hand of the wicked, who looks to, to trip up the wicked, the, the righteous. But the Lord will not leave him, nor will the Lord condemn him when he is judged, the righteous. Therefore, verse 34, wait on the Lord. Endure, persevere, keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land again because he's faithful. And when the wicked are cut off because it is sure it will happen, you will see it. Again, David here goes into firsthand testimony. I've seen the wicked in great power, spreading himself like native green tree, taking over. Yet, he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but could not, that he could not be found. Now mark the blameless man, observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. But, what's the future of the wicked? The transgressor shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. Again, it's a reminder that what David has in view here is long term. There is a future at stake here. I'm not talking about immediate pleasure. I'm not talking about your life getting better tomorrow. I'm talking about eternal things here. A God who is faithful through the ages. But he's also just. And as long as he is justice, so is his, as long as he is faithful, so is his justice. Verse 39, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. He is their strength. Again, not only has the Lord established the steps of the righteous, but he is the strength of the righteous as well. God does not just put you on this path and then stand back. And watch, he's active along the way. He is strengthening. The Lord shall help them and deliver them, the righteous, 
He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them. Why? Because they are part of Israel. No. Because they are righteous. Because they've been so good. No. Because they were so faithful in going to church. No. Because they came from the right family. No. Because they trust in him. He saves them. He delivers them. He keeps them. Simply because they trust in him. As I mentioned at the beginning, Psalm 37 is a covenant people who are called to remember their covenant-keeping God, to be encouraged in the moment. And we don't have land promises, but we do serve the same God. And the truth of Psalm 37 flows out of the character of God. Israel can trust their God to keep the covenants that he has given them. Why? Because God is faithful. And God is still faithful. We serve that same God. And the truths of, 37, of Psalm 37 are just as true for us. God is still faithful. This same God will give us peace. As he promises in Philippians 4. This same God will direct our paths for our good and for his glory, as we see in Romans 8. And we have the same assurance that God is just. And those who are wicked will stand before a holy God and they will be judged. And those who are righteous will have an eternal Reward beyond what they can imagine. And so I would remind you this evening as we go to a time of prayer, whatever you're facing this week, whatever might come up this week, back up and have that big perspective. Know that whatever it is that you're going through in the immediate is part of a bigger plan and that your good God is accomplishing something, you may not know what, in the moment, but he's doing something in you for your good. And you can know for sure that it's for his glory. So with the perspective of Psalm 37, as we go to a time of prayer, we can thank God. We can thank God for whatever situation that we find ourselves in. Have you ever... When you just feel down, when life doesn't make sense, when you feel defeated, have you ever thanked God for that? Have you ever stopped to bow your head and to say, I don't know what you're doing, and this hurts, and this doesn't make sense, and I don't know if I can make it, but this is what I do know, that you're good, that you're in control, I know that you've put me on this path. I know that you will give me strength for the days ahead. I know that you will give me grace. I know that you will give me mercy. Don't give me faith to trust it. Thank God for what he's doing, even if it doesn't seem good to you in the moment. And I know that's easy for us to say now, at least 
for me to say now when, when nothing is terribly out of control in my life. But I hope that by the grace of God, when that day comes, because it will come, when we will fall, I hope by the grace of God that when that day comes, I can say thank you. I can back up and I can have that big perspective and I can say, I don't know what you're doing, but I know whatever it is, it's good. I know whatever it is, you're in control. I know whatever it is, you will see me through it for your glory. So even as we go to prayer this evening, I would encourage you to have that perspective. Take what we've just seen in Psalm 37, the truths of the character of God, and pray those back to the Lord. This is who I know you are. And I want to drink deeply of your faithfulness. I want to be encouraged to go forth. So I'd encourage you in that from Psalm 37. I sent an email.